We have been talking about the parables of Jesus Christ, these, these short stories that, that Jesus gave as a way of illustrating various principles. So two weeks ago, Pastor Brett talked about the parable of the sower and this idea that there are different kinds of soil, and he was using soil, Jesus was using soil, as a way of illustrating or describing the status of our hearts, whether or not we were hard-hearted and we needed God to kind of break up the soil, or if we were uh, eager, but there were still some, some foundational things that need to be placed into our soil, into our hearts, or maybe we're, we're, we've got good soil, but, but it's also got weeds and other things and, and wealth and, and worries and anxiety, and these other things kind of make growth difficult. Or maybe we've got good soil and we're growing and producing fruit. And so we were talking about what it looks like to have these different types of soil and how do we move from these lesser soils to putting our heart in a position where we can grow and and be in relationship with God and love others in a way that produces real fruit in our life. Then last week we talked about the mustard seed, this tiny seed, this singular seed that produces a, a, a plant that is is proportionally very large compared to its starting point. And we considered the fact that, that our starting point, our beginnings often look fairly humble, fairly small, fairly unimpressive. But those are the things that God uses to change and transform us. It's those little steps that trudging along over a long period of time that God uses to transform us. Now, he can transform us in big leaps and bounds in a moment, and, and sometimes he does that, and we're thankful for that, but we, we need to recognize that God uses those small steps to transform us, and we don't want to begrudge those, but instead embrace it. Today, we're going to talk about another parable out of Matthew chapter 13. Uh, and, and I want you to, to consider this question. I'm going to ask this for just a quick second. I want you to, I'm just going to give you 30 seconds to think about it. What is the greatest source of joy in your life? I'll repeat it. What is the greatest source of joy in your life? Don't circumvent this question and just be like, Jesus, you know, don't, don't give me the church answer. You don't have to answer out loud, but think about it in your own soul. When you survey your life and you think about the things that make you smile, the things that excite you, the things that energize you, what are those things? And then, as a corollary, how are those things connected or disconnected from God and his purposes? They may not be bad things. They may be great things. But are, are they connected and they, do they derive their power from God or are they kind of in, in competition? What is the grace, greatest source of joy in your life? So open your Bibles to, to Matthew 13. We're going to stand uh, and read this one verse together. If you're new, again, we, we, read these, we read the Bible out loud because we believe that it's, it's powerful and it's beneficial for us to hear it out of our own lips and the lips of our, our neighbor. And we stand as a way of um, reverencing, honoring, showing respect to the, the real, the word of God. So this is Matthew chapter 13, verse 44. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field which a man found and covered up. Then, in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Father God, I pray that you would open our eyes to see and appraise and appreciate the value of your kingdom. 
that as we look at all of creation, as we look at our own lives and our own dreams and desires, that we would be able to see Jesus, your kingdom, which is established by your life, death, and resurrection, and which is being uh, extended by the works of your hand in the church, that when we see that, it would bring us joy. That when we consider all the things that you've done on our behalf, that would be our ultimate source of joy. Father, I pray that, that you would bring to mind all of those things that would, would uh, compete, all of those things that we would try and place our hope in that compete with our hope in you. And I pray that you'd give us a spirit that would repent and turn away from the other things that we would trust. I pray that we would all walk away from today trusting you more and being more filled with the joy knowing who you are. I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Well, I don't normally do this, but David Hermes just texted me. <laughs> Thanks, buddy. <laughs> hey, buddy. <laughs> uh, he said he's excited that we're doing small groups, as he should be. Um, <laughs> if you don't know, David Hermes uh, was, is the lead pastor of, of Hope Valley Church, and we sent them out there in Denver, Colorado, so he's planting a church out there. Uh, and he's, he's an awesome guy. Anyhow, so I want you to imagine this situation. I want you to consider this situation. There's this guy, he's working in a field, you know, probably he's, he's a worker in the field. Again, it's a parable, so I'm going to put some, spe- some speculative details on it, but, but we're not going to get hung up on them. We're just going to try and create enough of a picture so that we can imagine what's going on. So he's working in the field, you know, and, and I, I, I can't help but imagine that he kind of trips over what turns out to be a chest of gold. And it's, it's buried in the ground, and that's the only way I can imagine treasure is, you know, pirates and just coins. I, I'm sure there are other kinds of treasure chests, but the one I'm thinking of is like rectangular. It's got this weird cover, you know, arched top, and there's always overflowing. Anyway, so it's in the ground, and he's like, well, uh, let me put down my, my rake or whatever I'm using to, to do my tool, to do my work, and it kind of unearths it. And he looks down and he's like, oh my goodness, looks around. Is anyone watching? No, no one's watching. Awesome. Opens it up. My goodness, it's gold or jewels, you know, pirate's booty, whatever it is. <laughs> Palestinian pirate's booty, maybe. Um, and he realizes that he has found the mother load. He's found some real treasure. And I'm being kind of facetious and silly, but, but the reality is pre-bank time, the ground was a pretty good bank. So, so it's not unlikely that this was a, a real-life scenario. Now, finding the treasure might have been more unrealistic, but, but actually burying treasure, uh, bury, burying your money, uh, that, that was more possible. And we see other places where Jesus, for example, talks about the talents, and one guy, he buries the, the talent in the ground. And, and so this is a, it's a real possibility. So, um, so he finds the treasure, and what does he do? He... Uh, surreptitiously covers it back up and kind of, you know, like a dog covering stuff up and, and uh, looks around and he, he goes home quickly, gets on eBay, starts listing his stuff, gets on Craigslist. I mean, just sells his car, sells his uh, record collection, his guitars, his uh, uh, famous basketball jersey, whatever, all the things. He sells everything, his fine china, because of course he has fine china and probably doesn't. 
Um, knowing this guy. I don't know who you're imagining. I'm, for whatever reason, I'm imagining a bachelor, and bachelors do not have fine china. <laughs> um, that's what the wife brings to the relationship, among other things. Cleanliness. Um, we're just going today. Uh, and so he sells all his stuff. He, he stops renting his house. He's like, I'm, I'm going all in. Give me my deposit back. There, you know, I've patched all the holes. And... Uh, sorry. Uh, and he gets his money and he goes and he buys the field. Maybe he buys it from his master. And you can kind of imagine he's like kind of skipping his way and looking at his field and finding his place. And he looks and there's the treasure and it's a happy ending, right? That's, that's the story that we have. Now, we don't, again, we don't want to push this too far. Jesus is not talking about morality or ethics. So we don't necessarily need to get hung up on whether or not he was being, uh, Honorable? Probably not. Uh, the, the rules of the time, the rabbinic laws, would, would have said that if he had pulled it out of the, the ground, it would have been the work, uh, the, his boss's money, his boss's treasure. Basically, if he had lifted it up, uh, uh, it would have been his boss's. So that's why he left it in the ground and bought the field instead of just stealing it. Or, but, but we're not getting hung up on that. The point that Jesus is trying to make is he says, the kingdom of heaven is like this scenario. The kingdom of heaven is this scenario where we're all working, we're doing stuff, and, and sometimes some of us come across God's work, and, and Jesus is, it's kind of a, ironic because he's, bing, 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 I am bringing the kingdom of heaven, I am the treasure in front of you, and he's, he's saying this to the audience who they may or may not be keying in on that reality, and he says it's like a, a hidden treasure, and, and as, as we consider the kingdom of heaven, I want, I want to ask you a question, when you think about about following Jesus, just to shift just slightly to the left, uh, when you think about following Jesus, what do you think about? What are those, those concepts, those words that come to mind Im- immediately? For me, when I was thinking about this, I, I thought about commandments, right? Following Jesus means obeying God's commands. Ten commandments, love your neighbor, all of these things that we're supposed to do. Uh, maybe it means living in fellowship, being connected, going to church, being in a small group. Being in a small group, okay? Um, <laughs> Serving people in need. Maybe, maybe it means to you being a good Christian means making sure that you're reaching out to the homeless shelter or you're helping the food pantry or you're helping this, this women's shelter or, or you're doing things in the community to kind of express God's love to those in need. Maybe, maybe you think it's praying. You know, you're very faithful about praying. You, you pray all the time. You have, you have a prayer closet. You've got your clothes closet and then you've got your prayer closet and uh, it doesn't have clothes in it. Um, it has prayers in it. Um, and all of these are, are great and, and legitimate descriptions of following Jesus, but, but they're all built on this foundational, they should be built on this foundational fact that Jesus, Jesus is valuable. If, if you do these things apart from that foundational piece, it gets very weird. And you've probably met people who, who have taken all the duties duties of Christianity and disconnected them from the foundational Jesus. And it's just, it, you look at it and it's kind of like, it's like a beautiful painting with the nose ripped off or something. You're just like, that doesn't look quite right. You know, I see that you want to obey these commands, but your heart seems super angry. Or, you know, I, I know that you pray a lot, but man, are you weird? <laughs> you know, or, or I see that you, I see that you, you, work at the, the, the shelter all the time, 
but I don't hear you telling these people about their ultimate need in Jesus Christ. And, and our, our Christianity can get very strange when we don't connect it with the fact that Jesus is valuable. We ought to follow our command, God's commands because we recognize that he's a greater ruler than we are in our lives. Right? That's the foundational piece. We ought to, to choose to love sacrificially because Jesus loves us greatly. We choose to serve those in need because Jesus has served our greatest needs. The things, that, the things that we do, the things that you and I do as an expression of what we believe about what God has said for our life, the, the, the commands we obey, the choices we make, the, the love that we try to express, it needs to come from a place that understands that Jesus is the most valuable person and relationship in creation. And so when Jesus says, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure that was hidden that a man found, we need to recognize that there's something worth treasuring in God. There's something worth treasuring in Jesus. And, and maybe that sounds elementary to, to you, but, but I think many of us, we forget the fact that God is worthy. You know, we come to church and we're, we're, we're singing and we're like, great is your faithfulness, God, you are awesome. But we don't really feel it. We're just kind of saying the words. And, and I, I want to encourage you to Ask the question, if that's you, why you don't feel it. Now, we're not driven by our emotions. We're not driven by, you know, I feel great today, I feel bad today. I mean, maybe you had pizza and you have indigestion and you don't feel great because of that, whatever. But we, we ought to have at our core a desire that drives our actions, not just kind of an empty, rote actions. Not only is the kingdom of heaven like this valuable treasure that... that that is worthy, it's, it's a hidden treasure. And we, we, we really tend to miss it. Even as Christians, I, I've said this before, but, but sometimes I just forget God. I, you know, it's Monday, it's one o'clock, my kids are hungry, things are getting a little, little iffy, you know, and, and I'm getting a little nervous, maybe panicking, gotta, gotta make some sandwiches or these kids are gonna revolt and then who knows what, someone's gonna set thing on fire and we'll all die. And, and that's kind of where my panic mind goes and, and I forget, hey, God, God exists. He calls me to love my children, to be patient, to be kind. And, and we can forget the treasure. We can be looking at the Bible and forget that it's, it's a treasure trove. We can wake up in the morning and read, okay, while he was what do I got to do at work? Hold on, let me send an email. Jesus, okay. For whoever does not send. Oh, let me play that game. That's so dumb. Look, I can't believe he put that on Twitter. Right? And, and, and all of a sudden, the, our, our actions are not tied. <laughs> our actions are not tied to, to loving God. Um, I'm just laughing because people on the podcast are not going to understand anything that just happened. For those on the podcast, I just mimicked Twitter and getting distracted from reading the Bible. So anyhow, it's a treasure that we sometimes, we, we struggle to see. And, and it's so bad that in, in, in 2 Corinthians, Paul talks about it and he says this, he says, in the case of those who don't understand the gospel, in the case of the people who, who maybe haven't yet appreciated what God has said and, and put
put their trust in him. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of unbelievers to keep them from what? Seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ. It's from seeing the light that, that is shown in the good news about Christ who is glorious. Who is the image of God? For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord. So, so we, we, it's a real problem of forgetting and not appreciating the treasure that is Jesus Christ. It, so much so that that is the case for anyone who doesn't trust in God. They are blinded. Our problem with belief in faith in God, it's not, it's not a, an education problem. It's not a, a more, it's not a, it is a morality problem, but it's not a, uh, a problem of just not knowing the rules. It's a problem of not wanting to see God for who he is. Looking at Jesus and saying, you know, he's not that impressive. We, we don't see it for what it is. How many people, I mean, to, again, to push the parable a little bit further, how many people, I wonder, worked that field and walked past and just didn't see it? And, and for whatever reason, this guy sees it. Part of following Jesus is learning to see the kingdom more clearly than we did before. That's why, that's why you read the Bible. Because our eyes, our faith eyes, I don't know about you, but I wear contacts, but when I wear glasses, they are filthy. And, and my wife sometimes tells me, because she has to look at them, and she's like, I don't know what you've been running through or swimming in, but you need to clean your glasses. And, and that's kind of what our lives are when it comes to our faith lenses, is that we wear them, but over time, they get dirty. And we read the Bible so that we can see Clearly, we want to be able to see and appreciate the treasure. Uh, if you have a diamond and, you know, men, listen, if you're single, this, there are four C's and, and cut, carrot, uh, other stuff, color. I'm married, so I don't, I mean, <laughs> I learned it at one point. And all of these things uh, affect the, the beauty of the diamond and the, the ability for it to refract light through it and, and make it shiny and fun. Now, if it's dirty, if it's covered up, you don't see it for what it is, a valuable diamond, you know? And, and so if Christ is the treasure, if Christ is the diamond, we need to, to be able to clear away everything that, that makes it hard for us to see and appreciate the value there. The man in the parable finds this covered up. Um, and, and so he recognizes it. And I don't want us to consider this. Having a relationship with Jesus is more valuable than a successful career. Having a, a relationship with Jesus is, is more valuable and honestly more realistic than having a perfect family. Having a relationship with Jesus is it's more valuable than a perfect body. Having a relationship with Jesus is more valuable than having a, a meticulously planned five to ten year plan. Having a, a, and honestly, it's probably not going to happen the way you expected because Jesus and God. Um, Having a relationship with Jesus is more valuable than a fulfilling hobby. It's, it's more valuable than the latest uh, Android or iPhone app or gadget or device or, you know, laser. Um, having a relationship with Jesus is, is better than the nicest house in, in the best part of this area, which is Leesburg. Um, having a relationship with Jesus is better, even better than Leesburg. I know it's hard to believe, but um, it's... It's better than being right all the time, which is kind of impossible anyways, guys. Having, having a relationship with Jesus is better than, than being in control all of the time or telling yourself that you're in control and you need to be in control all the time. Um, having a relationship with Jesus is better than being 
your own boss and master of your own tiny little kingdom. We have to see, my, my, my desire is for you to see that is true. I've said those things, but, but you have to be able to see, and I pray by the power of God that you would see that these things are true. We follow Jesus, we pursue his kingdom because at some point we've realized that he's valuable, he's worthy. If you follow Jesus, you should see that he's worthy. And if you don't, if you struggle to see that he's worthy, I would encourage you, yes, do the things, read your Bible, pray, go to church, go to small group, but pray and ask God to help you to see that he is worthy. Help him, pray and ask God to, to open your eyes to behold wonderful things in, in the word. Those are words that the psalmist prayed. Don't feel bad when you don't feel it. Pray. The psalmist at so many points was like, God, you are great, but I just don't see it. I just don't see it. And, and he, his faithfulness in that moment was to just pray and ask God. And so many times he comes around like a boomerang at the end, but I'm going to trust in you. I'm going to praise you because you are worthy. You are good. We need to see that he's worthy. As a, as a side note, most of our sin doesn't have so much to do with, with uh, bad habits or behaviors as much as it does to do with wrong appraisals. We sin, you and I sin, not because someone made us, not because there's a devil behind that thing, but because we want to. When you choose to do something wrong, you chose to do something wrong because you wanted to do that. I wanted to do that thing. We're all in this together. I'm not saying you guys choose. I'm totally awesome. I, we, we choose. And what we need is not, not just self-control. We do need self-control. But what we need is something to want that's greater than the sin that we want. We, want, we need to want God more than we want this thing, more than we want control, more than we want pleasure, more than we want um, enjoyment of whatever it is. And the good news is God is happy to give us that. We need to see his value. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus right now, if you come to church and maybe your friend cajoled you into it and or tricked you. It's, it's going to be a party. It's in the morning. It's awesome. <laughs> this sounds weird. It'll be music, live music. I mean, okay. And you're here and you're like, this was a bait and switch. Well, um, I just want to encourage you that, that you were made, you were made for more than, than the small pleasures, small joys, small things. You, you were made to worship God. And that, it, it's a good thing to be able to see something that's worthy and to then say, that's worthy, right? Sometimes we say, you're made to worship God and, and we kind of feel like, well, I shouldn't have to worship anything. I mean, that's, why does God need my worship? But then we go watch TV and we, we watch our favorite uh, football team or our favorite musician and we're like, oh my gosh, you're amazing. You know, what, Fill in the blank. Dave Matthews Band used to be super big in, in high school. And people, this is so good. I mean, it's like an emotional, spiritual experience. And it's a joke, but it kind of was. Because they were worshiping. They were saying, they were expressing the worth of the thing that they saw. You were meant for so much more than Dave Matthews Band. Everyone was meant for more than Dave Matthews Band. 
so, so when I say you were meant to worship something, I don't mean that you're a small being. I mean that you have capacity to appreciate something that's bigger than all of creation. And then to say, that is bigger than all creation. Come and see how amazing he is. You were made for something more. We were made to glorify God, to put a telescope on his greatness. You know, it says magnify the Lord. And, and I'm so thankful to uh, a pastor, John Piper, who talks about that. Magnify the Lord. It, it's a phrase that we sometimes we think like magnify, like magnifying an ant. But he says, no, no, no. It's like magnifying a telescope. It's taking something big and making it so we can actually see and appreciate it. God is big. We're supposed to magnify him like we do a telescope. And, and this one guy, St. Augustine, says this, talking about God. You have made us for yourself, O Lord, and our hearts are restless until they find their rest in you. There are things in this world, things on Monday, things on Friday, things at the club, things on TV, things at the supermarket, things in relationships that can, can satisfy your, your desire for, for peace and joy and pleasure for, for a period of time. But they're all transient, they're all temporary, and they're all ultimately unfulfilling. There are good things, family, friends, employment, putting your hand to the plow and doing work. These are all good things, but if we elevate them and expect them to be a source of ultimate joy, they will fail us. We were made for more than that. The kingdom of heaven is hidden treasure, the ultimate hidden treasure, and it's our source of greatest joy. I mean, let's step back. What is, what is this workman pursuing? You know, he, he's not some special guy. He's just kind of an everyman. He sees the treasure. What is he pursuing? He's pursuing what? Riches, treasure? Yeah, he's, he's looking for treasure, absolutely. Maybe he's looking for ease. I'm not going to have to work anymore. I don't have to talk to that guy. He's a piece of work, and I don't like working for him. You know, maybe he wants to be his own boss. Maybe he wants autonomy. Maybe he wants kind of peace of mind. You know, my, my grandparents are not doing well, and I want to put them in a nice house and have a nurse to care for them. And, and maybe he has all these desires, but at the base of those desires, he's pursuing happiness. Whether you're obeying or disobeying, whether you're, you're happy or you're sad, whether you're fighting or you're living at peace, at our deepest level, we're, we're always pursuing joy. We're always pursuing joy. Even if you're angry and you're, you're in this, maybe you're having a fight with a friend or a family member and you're just frustrated and you, you do something, fine, I'll go, you know, put, talk about kids. I'll go clean my room. They're pursuing the peace and the joy that comes from at least I don't have to listen to them anymore. And I'm going to begrudgingly do this, but that's more joy than if I had to have a conversation with my parents and listen to that. So, you know what I'm saying? So you can pursue joy even in the most frustrating of circumstances. You're still being motivated for a desire for peace, for happiness, for joy. He was pursuing Joy. And the lie that sin tells us is that you'll find lasting joy in me. You know, Adam and Eve, you know, you want to want to know what will really make you happy? Don't listen to God. I've got this other plan and it will make you really happy. That's the lie that they believed. In Christ, in his kingdom, God promises joy. You know, sometimes we have, you meet Christians and you're like, do you follow Jesus? Yes, I do. You're like, huh? okay, yeah. What's that like? It's, it's, it's a burden. It's a burden, brother. You got to pick up your cross every day. It's hard. Yeah. You know, I'm going to get tattoos of burdens on my arms. And like, 
Yeah, yeah, it's a burden. Life is hard. Life is real hard. But, but you have to be weird about it. And, and, and God doesn't say, I want you to come to me so that you can be burdened, period. That's not what he says. You know, he says, in this world, you will find troubles and tribulation. But what? Take heart. I've overcome the, I know the ending. You know what the ending is? It isn't us, God is good. The ending is not us just being mopey. The ending is us worshiping God, winning, being on the winning team, wearing the winning jersey, being like, ha you lose, we win, let's celebrate for eternity. At a, at a marriage supper, eating food, which heavenly food is going to be awesome. I hope they have eclairs. Anyways. Um, where, what am I even talking about? Thank you. God, God wants us to have joy. Sometimes that joy comes in packages of suffering. And so, so we, we, you know, like, I didn't order that Amazon. I don't know what that's about, but I'm, nope. But God has a joy for us that we wouldn't have experienced otherwise. I mean, this is this amazing thing that God can do. He can take our suffering. He can take our tribulations. He can take our trials. And in those things, he can bring about joy. It doesn't make those things good, but he, in his wisdom and in his power, he uses bad things um, for our good. If that offends you, then just read Joseph's story or read Job. And let the Bible offend you more. Um, because that's, that's kind of God's, that's his MO. That's what he does. In, in Psalm, Psalm 16, verse 11, it says this. You make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. And at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. God, God is interested in your happiness. We just usually differ on the way to getting there. We're like, you know what would make me happy? God is an easy life with a lot of eclairs and some pies and no suffering, no pain. And God's like, I have so much more for you. I have so much more for you. When we pursue our joy in Christ, it frees us to live radically. You know, one of the implications of living this way, of, of seeing the treasure, of appreciating the treasure, of pursuing the treasure above all else, giving everything away, selling everything, giving it all up for the sake of this treasure is that we can love people who are difficult to love because we no longer demand that they give us love, they, that they give us joy. We can love people who are difficult to love because we no longer demand that they be a source of our joy. You know, God calls us to love your neighbor, love difficult people. Why? Because that's one of the ways that he kind of says, you're only going to be able to do this if I'm the source of your joy. If, if your neighbor and whether or not they're playing loud music and being kind or, or, or they agree with you, they're the same political party as you, they have the same perspective, they drive the same kind of car, if that's what makes you happy, you're going to be sad. But if you can put your hope and, and pursue your joy in me, then you're going to love that person no matter what. We can, we can serve with humility even those who we don't think deserve our service. We can, we can serve a community that that needs but doesn't deserve our service. I mean, we live, I won't talk too much, but we live in a culture and a country where there's a lot of people to dislike. 
You can just look on Facebook, look on your brand of news, and it gives you plenty of opportunities to just say, you know what, I don't like those people. I don't want to be around them. I'm not interested in what they have to say. But what God calls us to is a kind of love and a kind of pursuit of his joy that could say, you know what, I disagree completely 100% with what that person's saying, but I'm going to pray for them and I'm going to try to express the love of God to them and people like them. That transforms things. It's, it's easy to get in a, a group of people and just be like, you know what's dumb? This. And they're like, yeah, that is dumb. And this, dumb, 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 dumb. This is stupid, dumb. Yes, we agree. Great. <laughs> Wonderful. It's very difficult to say, I disagree with what you have to say there, but I love you because God has created you and I'm going to pursue you in relationship and I'm going to serve you even though you legitimately don't deserve it. Because we all are in the position where God's looking at us and saying, I'm going to be humble and I'm going to love you and I'm going to pursue you, pursue you even though you legitimately don't deserve it. When you see the kingdom of heaven for the true treasure that it is, when, when you let go of everything else as a source of ultimate joy, then you can live free and full to pursue the joy in God, the, the joy that God provides us. So, to return to our question in the beginning, what, what is your greatest source of joy in your life? Because, to put it another way, where, where your treasure is, there your heart will be. The thing that you treasure is the thing where your, your heart gravitates towards. To put it in, in the context of what we've been talking about, what you find joy in is where your heart is. And if your joy is not in God you don't feel super happy about your relationship with God, then your joy is in something else. And it's not, hear me, don't go and sell all your robes, buy a bunch of black and just be like, nothing, nothing makes me happy except Jesus. <laughs> don't get weird on me. Go out to eat at Sweetwater and enjoy the food that God has made. Hallelujah. Little yeast balls of glory. But, but, ask yourself, what, what is at the foundation of my life? Because my friends, God will allow us to experience very difficult things in our life. And in those moments, our treasure will be tested. Our foundations will be tested. Maybe you're in that situation now, and your, your foundations are being tested, and, and you realize, you know what, I'm trusting in some things. I'm pursuing joy in some things that really aren't meant to bring that kind of joy. I would encourage you that if that's you, it's, it's a very simple thing. You just turn from the thing that, that you were pursuing joy in and you say, you know what, God never meant for that to, pursue the, to, to provide the kind of joy that I'm asking it to provide. And you turn to God and you say, God, satisfy me. Satisfy me today. Maybe you're in this room and, and you don't have a relationship with God. My, my call to you, my I'm not, I'm not just saying stuff like God has made you for so much more than 90 years and then death. <clears throat> God has made you to be a person who experiences God, who experiences joy at depths you couldn't imagine. And, and to be able to be a, a mirror of that joy to everyone around you. It doesn't mean that we have to all be holding hands and skipping and being, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about a satisfying, anchoring, <clears throat> sorry, my throat. 
anchoring joy that, that gives ballast to your life, gives strength to your life. So that you can say, God, your joy is my strength. What is your greatest source of joy? Don't let, don't let your pursuit of joy stop short of the vast treasure that God has in store for you. Let's pray. <clears throat> that you would open our eyes. All of us. I pray that you would open our eyes to see the joy or the, the treasure that, that's available to us. The fact that you are, are so valuable and so fulfilling and so full that you could satisfy our every desire. That you could meet us in our darkest moments and you could satisfy us. That you could provide the kind of foundation that that allows us to stand in trials and tribulation and pain and suffering and that, that you can give us the kind of lives where, where it's not black and white, it's not fuzzy, but it's, it's just HD color. It's, it's life lived to the fullest. That's what, that's what I want for myself, God. That's what I want for, for our congregation, Lord, is for us to be a people who, who lives and appreciates and celebrates you in such a way that everyone else looks and says, man, those people live real lives. They live vibrant lives. They live powerful lives. If you're in this room and you've never trusted in Jesus, maybe you, as I've said, have put your joy or pursuit of joy in things that are not God, but you want to change today. You want to turn to Jesus. You, you recognize that, that you have sinned, that you've broken God's law, and that you want to turn to him for forgiveness of sin, and for a relationship that produces real joy. If that's you, just raise your hand. I want to pray for you. All right. Well, God, help us to live and walk and pursue joy in you. Help us to see the treasure, to appreciate the treasure, and to be willing to give up everything for it. In Jesus' name, amen.